Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to an episode of How to Live the Podcast, where we have real, meaningful, and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. So happy to be in your ears right now. Happy almost summer, you guys. I'm feeling it. I feel like the energy is different. Oh my God, it's weird that you say that because I feel like we're usually so Melbourne specific, but I hate to tell you this, but in Byron, it's been summer for like a month already. No, screw <laughs> you. <laughs> I know. I don't know why we all don't live in places where it's summer basically all year round because it just makes me so much happier. Although I got to tell you, Panther is struggling in this heat. Oh no, poor thing. Oh my God. I miss my poodle so much. I cannot even tell you. I want to squeeze that face. Oh, he's going to be so excited to see you. Yay. This week is pretty exciting because you're actually doing our tubes campaign shoot in Byron. I know. I'm actually, I just got nervous when you said that because I feel like usually we have so much support in Melbourne. Like I have you, we have the whole team there and it's really just me and this team that I have somehow pulled together in Byron. I think it's going to be epic, but it feels a little weird not to have that support around. Well, I'm going to be there on FaceTime, hopefully the whole day. I'll just sit there with popcorn watching it unfold like a movie. Yeah, that's kind of fun for you. I'm actually really excited because being in a different city has mean I've had a fresh pool of models to pull from. And as you know, we always like to push the boundaries with tubes. We like to be really inclusive. So I've found some people who are much more real looking than modelly looking. And I'm very, very excited about it. And as always, we are turning things around super quickly. So you're already going to be able to check out the photos next week. Stay tuned to hear all about it. Yeah. And speaking of models, we have an incredible supermodel on this podcast today. Tell them who it is, Jess. So it is Samantha Harris. She needs no introduction. She has literally been in and on basically every fashion magazine in Australia and many around the world. She is also just so freaking down to earth and an incredible human being who we've had the privilege of meeting a fair few times throughout our career in the fashion industry. And you think supermodel, like, of course, it was going to get to their head. Like, everybody loves them. They're so beautiful. They've traveled the world. But I honestly can't tell you how even the very first time we met Sam and we kind of went up to her to introduce ourselves, she was just so super lovely and real. Mm, She's also an Indigenous Australian and she uses her voice for so much good and is an ambassador for a lot of incredible causes. So she's a pretty all-round epic person and we are very excited for you to listen to this one. Do stick around to the end of the episode to find out what Steph and I are going to be chatting about next week. A big grand reveal. And have the best time listening to Sam. So we wanted to start off by asking you, you know, you've been in the media so much for so many years now. So I feel like a lot of people feel like they know you super well, but we wanted to ask you, what is something about you that you feel like most people don't actually know about you? 
I'm a crazy cat lady. I only have two, so I'm not that crazy, but like I'm obsessed with my two cats, like obsessed. That's amazing. We noticed a couple of cat photos on your Instagram feed and we couldn't figure out if you had two or one, but I noticed that their names sounded kind of matching. So I was like, I reckon those cats are siblings. I have a gray cat. Her name's Pegasus. And then a year later, we got a big tabby boy and we wanted a matching. So we weren't sure if we were going to call him Zeus or Spartacus and his name's Spartacus. I love that. I love with cats the way you can just name them like super rogue random things. Like our cousin (laughs) has a cat named Tika Masala. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Super cute. But yeah, we're also crazy animal people and we have a couple of cats. One of our cats actually is turning 18 this year. I got her for my 10th birthday. Wow. So we're like, she's getting her license this year. (laughs) And then I've also got a cat at my house now that I rescued a couple of years ago and her name's Snow White. So we totally get the cat vibes. Whereas dogs, you have to like name them more conventional things because like you take them out and people are going to see them and hear you calling the name. So you can't just be like, yes, here is my dog Tika Masala. Like people be like, what the (laughs) hell is going on? People be like, they're weirdos. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but you get to be weirdos in your own home with cats. Like I'm weird and nobody knows it. Yeah, exactly. Me too. No one has a clue. (laughs) So you're living in Sydney now, but you did grow up in Tweed Head. So we wanted to ask you, what was your childhood like there? My childhood was just like anyone else's, I guess. I just went to school, started modeling when I was 13. Well, I entered the girlfriend model search in 2004, so when I was 13, but that's all where it kind of kicked off. My life was still like a normal kind of teenager's life, even doing the competition and being signed with my agency. I'd only go down to Sydney probably, you know, a few times a year. It would always be like the school holidays and things like that. So yeah. It's so funny to hear you talk about that because I guess for you so much of your childhood was within that modeling, you know, being 13, you are so young there. So are you able to take us back to that if, you know, listeners haven't heard the story and explain what the model search was and how you came to finding it, what the feelings were like? So if for anyone that's, you know, not aware, the Girlfriend Model Search is a teen magazine. It's actually still running to this day. I think they've gone more online though. But when I entered many, many years ago in 2004, I went to the Brisbane one. So they do road shows in each state around Australia. And I went to Brisbane with my mum, my little brother, stayed overnight and got up super early the next morning to attend this road show. And hundreds of girls entered. Like you guys have seen how many girls enter. Like heaps and heaps and heaps of girls enter this model search each state. I remember I was the first one there, so excited. I was that early that they were like, oh, you know, go have some breakfast or something. You're a little too early. Too eager. Yeah, so very keen. But yeah, I entered, I filled out my form and gave it to the judges and I was the shyest girl, like just this little, small, scrawny, shy 13-year-old girl. Like I don't even think I looked them in the eye. I think I pretty much just gave them my paper and kind of just wanted to leave. Then they take your photo. And back then when I entered, you had to wait two weeks for a phone call. So you would just have to hope you were going to get a phone call to say that you were one of the finalists. And I was. So, yeah. And then a week later, I came to Sydney, did the model search photo shoots, and that's where it all started. And I'm still with my agency today, Chic Management. 
Wow, you're still with the same agency. That is yeah. so incredible. And what was it about modeling? I feel like that is a lot of young girls' dreams, but it's yeah. funny because like part of being a model is having to be confident. And I yeah. think we judged a girlfriend model search with you a few yeah. years ago. And it was so interesting to watch these young girls who want to be models on the one hand, but on the other hand, seem like they don't want the attention of it. So what was it for you that really drew you to modeling? People are going to hear this and think, no, this is very vain. But remember, everyone, I was only a young girl. I'd see the girls in the magazines or in the catalogs and things like that. And I just wanted to look like them. And, you know, they were so glamorous and, you know, so beautiful. And I just wanted to take really nice photos. I also did in-store model searches when I was really young. So I started that when I was maybe five and did them till I think maybe eight to ten. I would always make the finals. I would never win. Because I'm from the Gold Coast, so the Gold Coast is more kind of beachy kind of girl style, I guess you'd kind of say. So I was never that criteria, but I really enjoyed them. And being such a really shy girl, I wasn't shy when I was on the catwalk. It's like I was somebody else. Mm, yeah, I totally get that. Like you could have this whole other persona that was yeah. super confident when you were all dressed up. And obviously, I mean, 2004, it was such a different time and Every industry, including the modeling one, looks so different then. But you were super young and getting into this industry that at the time was still very much about being super thin and not necessarily where great messages around being yourself were really being cultivated. So at that point, were you or was your mum apprehensive in like thrusting to you in this industry that wasn't necessarily that nurturing of young girl spirit? No, well, I personally didn't give it a second thought. I don't think I either did my mum because my agency, they were so nurturing within themselves. Like I would fly to Sydney and I would stay at my manager's house with her family and things like that. So they were really aware that the girls from the model search or even if they did approach some young girls to sign with Chic that they were still children and we didn't do any shoots that weren't kind of age appropriate so we always shot for a lot of teen mags and things like that so I was really lucky in that aspect so I never really had any pressure to deal with which was really good. That's really awesome I think it's so important and really interesting like you said that when people from the outside think of like Samantha Harris winning this competition at 13 it's like I imagine your life changed overnight and suddenly you're on private jets and being flown around the world, but you were just normal kid doing some modeling gigs, normal kid. So leaning into the glamour a little bit, we know that you have one aspect of you, which is totally normal, but we've seen you out there and some of the aspects are super glamorous. So we wanted to ask you for some of the craziest places or events or situations that modeling has taken you and that young Sam who won that model search when she was 13 would just be like, holy shit, where am I and what the (laughs) hell am I doing? Is this real life? One of the craziest things, when I say crazy, I don't mean like weird, but I was an ambassador for David Jones for quite a number of years and I was an ambassador when Miranda Kerr was. So they had flown me over to Palm Springs to shoot one of their spring summer campaigns. And I just remember looking at her thinking, you know, at that point in time, I still was quite young. I still would have been maybe in my early 20s. But I just remember looking and thinking like, holy crap, I'm in America and I'm shooting a commercial with Miranda Kerr, 
who is an international supermodel. Crazy. So nuts. Yeah. Yeah, which is so funny as well because I imagine that people would also have that feeling when they're modeling with you. (laughs) We actually had a really funny scenario one time happen with us that this reminds me of. We were in New York out for dinner and on one of the next tables there was this housewife of New York and we love the real housewives and so we were waiting the whole dinner for her to get up so she could go outside and we could go take a photo with her. Bethany Frankel, love her. And then (laughs) as we finished taking our photo with her and we're like dying all about it there's another young girl who comes up to us and is like oh my god you're how to live I was having dinner with you on the next table like I'm just dying to take your photo so I'm just imagining people listening to that and I'm sure that people have that same scenario you're there Miranda Kerr I hope so it'd be nice (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny I also read a story about you meeting Meghan Markle oh I didn't know what like what to do basically like you're meeting royalty so what do you do I I didn't do much like I shook a hand and asked a few questions but you don't want to ask too many questions and being intrusive but then you already know what they're doing because you've watched it on tv what they're doing that day (laughs) so true (laughs) yes but yeah she was very lovely it was really nice to meet her but yeah I was shocked a good shock but yeah of all people they could have picked in the whole country I got to be one of them. So it was nice. That's amazing. Do you know what I just remembered as well, which is like one of those funny full circle things is that when we realized we were interviewing you, I was like, oh my God, I volunteered backstage at Melbourne Fashion Festival that was L'Oreal Melbourne Fashion Festival in 2011. And I was like, I think maybe I have photos with Sam or something. And I went back and I looked and I've got photos of you backstage and the other people I was volunteering with were having photos with you and were so excited. And I was like, (laughs) if 2011 me knew that now we were interviewing Sam, I think I'd be pretty excited about it. (laughs) Oh, too funny. But one thing that strikes us with you and is just so obvious, you know, we've met you a handful of times now and you can't meet you without realizing that you are just so down to earth and you seem so unaffected. You have graced the cover of Vogue Australia. You've been flown around the world to all these incredible shoots. You're in the media and it's not always the case that someone would remain as down to earth as you are and not affected by that fame. Yeah. How have you remained this way? I don't know. I guess uh, caring and supportive family, husband. But I also think of it as I love what I do and I've always wanted to do it my whole life. I never would thought it would come to this extent. Like I never, ever thought I'd be on covers of magazines or anything like that. I just wanted to be a model. It's just like going to work, I guess, like your normal job. And then I come home and still got things to do, washing to do. And I'm just grateful to be doing the career that I've always dreamt to be doing. And I guess it goes back to what you mentioned before of you just wanted to be a model. And I think that you can really see that throughout your journey. You didn't want to be famous. And I think that it helps when it didn't happen in the era of Instagram or TikTok when it seems like every man and his dog wants to be Instagram famous or TikTok famous, but you're really doing this out of love for the industry. Yeah, exactly. And there's probably something to be said as well for your childhood and your upbringing that you were obviously 
brought up in this humble way. You know, if you were surrounded by people that were like, Sam, you're amazing. You're this big thing. But we met your husband at an event last year and he just seems like some normal guy and you guys seem like (laughs) you just sit around and do normal people stuff. So like, I'm sure that helps. Yeah, exactly. Just having normal people around you, but just nice people. Like in an industry like that, you can be swept up in the moment because you're getting your hair and makeup done. You're wearing beautiful clothes. You're getting flown to all these amazing places. You can get a big hair and I'm sure people do, but I'm just so grateful to still be a part of it all. And yeah. So Steph mentioned there that you were on the cover of Vogue Australia and you were actually one of the first Aboriginal models to grace the cover. Yes. We were really interested in chatting to you about the idea of being different. It's something that we've been exploring with a few of our guests recently Just the idea that as you're growing up, you know, you just want to be the same as everybody else and you just Mm kind of want to blur into the background. And we wanted to ask you when you were coming into this industry and you didn't necessarily look like the other girls that were standing around you, were you embracing that difference or was that a journey for you to start to embrace your differences? Was there a period of time where you were like, I just want to be like everybody else? Yeah, definitely. Especially in the modeling world, you'd go to casting. So they're basically auditions for jobs and things like that. And a lot of the models would all look very similar. And I, being such a shy girl, I always wanted just to be like everybody else, as you said, to kind of just blend in and be below the radar and things like that. So yeah, it was tough, I guess, because yeah, being so shy and wanting to be a model, but also wanting to look like everybody else. And in that point in time, the industry didn't have as many mixed race models at that point in time. So it was a journey, especially not looking like everybody else. Even during high school and primary school, I still didn't look like anybody else. I got picked on for my features when I was younger and wasn't great, but my features have made me what I am today. And I love that I'm different now, that I look different, that other Indigenous girls can look at me and aspire just to follow their dreams or just anybody that's having a tough time like I didn't just wake up one day and everyone's like oh my god you're amazing and this and that I've had my same journey as I'm sure as a lot of young girls do. So how did you transition from that idea of I want to look like everyone else to I love that I don't look like everyone else? I think it's just you know the older you get you get more confident and comfortable within yourself as social media came along and things like that I would get so many messages from young girls loving what I'm doing, loving my culture because, you know, they're Aboriginal and the more jobs and things that I got, I guess I kind of got more confident within myself. And you see all these great quotes that says, you know, you were born to stand out, so why blend in? And, yeah, I think as my career has gone on and on, yeah, I'm just love that I'm me and love the person that I've grown up to be, I guess. Your mum wanted to be a model when she was younger as well. She was dismissed for having that hope and dream. And and we would love to hear more about that and how you feel like you and your mum had different experiences or even in what ways your experiences were similar. So my mum wanted to be a model. I don't know how old she was. She Maybe she might have been in her early teens or something. But my mum's only like five foot tall, so she had a little teeny tiny thing. Yeah, she went up to Brisbane to approach the modelling agency and, as she said, basically dismissed her because of the colour of her skin. In that point in time, you know, to this day there still is a lot of racism, but there was a lot more back then. And, yeah, my mum never got the opportunity. Even if she got the opportunity, I don't think it wouldn't have gone too well in her favour because she wasn't very close with her family at that point in time. 
because my mum was taken away. My mum was part of the stolen generation. So when she had a daughter one day, she was hoping that if she wanted to be a model, that she could follow the career path and the dreams that she never got to. How incredible. And have you and your mum remained close throughout this process, not just in the way that your mother-daughter, but is she able to feel the feelings of, you know, being on set and getting excited by the work that you do as well? Definitely. When I first started and was coming down to Sydney quite often, my mum would actually come with me, which was a lot of fun. She'd come along to shoots with me and always travel. We talk every day or every second day. And she still gets excited about all the jobs that I have coming up. She's collected every single newspaper article, every magazine since I started. And she's laminated them all and she's taken posters from shop windows and she has like a big giant shrine of Samantha. (laughs) She's very proud. (laughs) That's amazing. That's so lovely. Yeah. And what an incredible turn of events from her being told that because of the colour of her skin she wasn't allowed to model. Yeah, exactly. To have her daughter now be celebrated for the way that you look is really, I'm sure, something that gives her a lot of joy. Yeah. And we would love to hear how your Aboriginal culture and heritage kind of shaped the way that you were brought up. Was it a big part of your life or your mum being part of the stolen generation? Was it not talked about and brought into your life as much? Well, I'm from the Gold Coast. My mum's family isn't originally from the Gold Coast. A lot of her family's from Sydney, but she never got to meet more of her family in Sydney because her dad had passed away when my mum was quite young. And my grandmother passed away, I think, when she was 57. So we know bits and pieces. Obviously, we know what mum has told us, but she's become more opened and a lot more you know, willing to tell us about her childhood and upbringing the older we've gotten obviously because it wasn't the nicest childhood and things like that. So it's hard for her to tell her children that. And, you, you know, it would be hard to tell a 10-year-old child, mum was taken and try and grasp that kind of aspect. Like not only did this happen to a lot of Indigenous people in Australia, it happened to my mum and my two aunties. Which is such a powerful message. And I also think such an important conversation as well that people are having now around intergenerational trauma. I mean, I can only minutely connect to your story because some of our family members went through the Holocaust and I know what a journey it was for them to also not really talk about it that much to slowly becoming a bit more open. But I think that the generations that come beyond that point are not just as affected, but also affected through that trauma that is passed on with your genes, you know, with your heart and soul. Yeah, of course. Have you been able to connect back to that history and that culture? I I know that you're a World Vision ambassador and I saw that you went and and took an incredible trip with your mum. Yeah, no, we went to the Kimberleys July or August last year and it was amazing. Like I had the best time going along with World Vision but also to bring my mum along. She'd never been to WA, let alone the Kimberleys. And I feel like she was more of a hit than I was. Like my mum got (laughs) numbers from people. People are still calling her and messaging her. It's amazing. And just to see the work World Vision do is phenomenal. Like they go into the communities that want World Vision to come in and they ask what they can do to provide them the resources they need to continue just their everyday kind of lifestyles. So they don't go in and say, you need this, this and this and tell them what to do because 
We've all been there and it hasn't worked well, but World Vision, they're doing amazing things. So you touched on there earlier about the idea of getting older and feeling more comfortable in your skin. And I'm sure it's hard in the modeling industry. Like, was there a time where you felt like you were kind of be told to like look a certain way or eat certain things? We've all watched top model and those shows where it seems like such a strict place and a place where people are often being told how they should look. Yeah. Well, I haven't really kind of been told per se kind of how to look, but a lot of the runway models, they are very small girls, but a lot of them do kind of naturally look like that to an extent. Throughout my teens and early 20s, I did runway and I don't tend to do as much runway now. Not that I don't love it, I love it. But boy, if there are any young girls watching, just so you're all aware, when you get a little bit older, your body starts to change. So you go from like being, you know, a little child kind of body shape to more kind of womanly, more curvier and things like that. So that's when my career kind of, I guess not changed because I still do runway, but I do more kind of ambassador roles and shoot a lot of like swimwear. I shoot a lot of lingerie. So my career kind of has gone a different path. Absolutely. And I think that it is really interesting because there has been this shift in the modeling industry that we've seen over the last few years. But something we've experienced as a brand is, you know, we have our footwear label tubes and one of our pillars in our business is inclusivity. So we're always really trying to portray different models within our campaigns and make sure that we are showing a really broad idea of what being a woman is. Yeah. And it's not always super easy. Even today, we often end up having to go to some of the smaller agencies, you know, and we'd love the big guys to be representing this diverse range of bodies and skin types and all of the rest but there does still seem to be like we're not necessarily quite there yet how do you think that we can change this I agree with you we're not quite there at all we're moving towards that direction I think that's Australia in general like we're not quite there with quite a number of different things within the Australian community so I think Again, just start the conversation and keep talking about it because if you don't talk about it, no one's going to know and they're not going to hear and people that aren't in the industry would feel the exact same way as we all do but because they're not in the industry, they can't get the conversation kick-started. So I think just keep talking about it and education and, yeah. You're so right. It's so important to be talking about it and we actually came to this realisation recently that, We were noticing this when we were trying to book models for our campaigns, but we weren't necessarily giving the agencies the feedback. It just didn't even occur to us, you know. We were like, oh, no, we're not going to find anything on this agency. We're not going to find anything on this agency. But starting those conversations, you're right, is like such an important part of it. And we realised how do we expect them to change if we're not bringing it to their attention? So now we're like, oh, we're going to send some emails and it doesn't need to be critical because I don't think people aren't inspired to change when they're criticised as much as when they're inspired. So just saying to them, hey, we would love to be booking more models from you and we would love to be seeing more diversity in background, in abilities, in sizes, in all of this. And hopefully if enough of us can bring our voices to this and bring our voices to all the things that we think 
we want to see changed in the world, then that's hopefully how we can create change. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about some of the downfalls of the modeling industry in terms of the pressures and, you know, the messaging, but we would love to end on a bit more of a fun note. So yeah, if you could tell us what's the funnest thing about being a model? The funnest thing? Traveling, I get to go to the Great Barrier Reef in two months. Hopefully, if the obviously the borders are open by then, fingers crossed for a job. But like, I get to go to locations that it's like a holiday as well. Like even traveling around, it's like you're going on a holiday and getting to be able to enjoy that. But without again sounding vain or anything silly, like you're lucky enough to be gifted a lot of things. I think that's quite cool. That would happen to you guys too, I'm sure. But again, doing a job that I've always wanted to do and my career has lasted so long and I hope it still continues to last another 20 or 30 years. It's still a pinch me kind of moment. Like ever since I was five or four years old, that's all I ever wanted to do and I still get to do it. So it's amazing. Awesome. And when you're going to the Great Barrier Reef on a shoot, what does the schedule look like? Is there time in there for Sam to like lay out and like do the things you want to do? Or from the second you get off the plane to the second you get back on it, is it all about the job? How does that look? It is all about the job, but I think I will have time to kind of relax and unwind. I think I might stay a few extra days as well, get my husband to come along. So make a little trip out of it. It'll be good. I was there I think last year I did a job promoting Far North Queensland tourism. We were in helicopters going across the Great Barrier Reef. We went to like the tea fields, went to rainforests. Like this was all within a week. And again, it just didn't feel like a job to get to go to all these spectacular locations and just think where I'm going and how much fun I'm having. This is actually work. It was just so surreal. How much fun is that? We once had I think the best job, which was we were flown to LA for Minnie Mouse's birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> essentially the job entailed getting a bunch of Disney stuff and then we went to two of Minnie Mouse's birthday parties. One was like a dinner with really cool people and this artist we loved. And then another one was at this coffee house with another set of cool people. And then we also got to go to Disneyland for the day. It was like, you have to go to Disneyland. We are going to pay you to go to Disneyland and go on the rides. And we were like, is this a trick? Wow, that's amazing. I'm so jealous. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Maybe you should get in with Disney. I know. I love Disney. There you go. You make a great Disney princess. Well, there should be more black Disney princesses, so. True. Absolutely. (laughs) So we would love to wrap up with some quick fire questions. Yeah. What is your favorite way to unwind? Favorite way to unwind is just relax, just chill on the couch, watch Netflix with a glass of wine. If you could have a magic wand and wave it, what change would you make in the world? The change I would make is that everyone is an equal and no racism, basically, because what's happening at the moment is horrific. Everyone is equal. No one is better than the other. Someone give Sam a magic wand. I know. Geez, come on, guys. Yeah. yeah. What is an Aussie brand that you love? I love so many different Aussie brands. I love Samson Bide. Well, I love the skincare biology that I'm working with. I love Witchery, Oriton, heaps of different brands. I feel like I like I love Australian brands more than international brands. Yeah, so do we. There's so much good stuff coming out of Australia right now. It's amazing. Yeah. The last question, 
What do you think is the ideal amount of cats for one person to own? (laughs) Well, I wanted another cat, so three cats. Awesome. Thanks so much. It was so fun to chat to you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. That was just amazing. I love listening to Sam. I think she is such an awesome person and such an incredible role model for so many young girls. Like if I was young and I had her to look up to, I just feel like I would have been better off, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so true for any mums listening out there. Definitely get your kids looking at Sam because she is all kinds of amazing. If you did enjoy listening to this episode, we would just love to ask you to help us get the word out by sending the episode to a friend who you think would really love to listen to it. And of course, please leave a review in your podcast app. We love to get five stars and we love to hear the awesome things you got out of listening to these episodes. So next week on the podcast, we're pretty excited because we're actually launching a new tubes collection and it's phase one of our sustainability journey. So we're going to be taking you through what's gone on behind the scenes to get the brand to this point in terms of marketing, in terms of product. It's going to be a real juicy one. Take a listen. Nimble talked to us about the fact that they used recycled material for their activewear. I thought it might be similar to the material we were looking for. So I went on their website and I started trying to find their supplier. A lot of these people, a lot of these brands that are using recycled or innovative materials, they'll share that information with you on their website because now that we're in the biz of sustainability, we all just want to share and care. We're no longer competitors, we're collaborators. That's next week. We can't wait to share with you all the things that we've been up to. In the meantime, have a beautiful week, whether it's summer where you are or whether it's about to be summer where you are. Have a great one. Loves you.